0: Welcome to the Agents Who Crush It in Real Estate podcast, where you'll hear the good, the bad, and the ugly of how real estate agents overcame challenges and grew their business. Check out the episode notes at crushitinre.com slash podcast. Now here's your host, Lindsay Favaza.
1: Welcome back to the Agents Who Crush It in Real Estate podcast. I am here today with Maura Allard. She has a team with KW in Beverly, Massachusetts. It is the Maura Allard and Company team. Welcome, Maura, to the podcast. Thank you, Lindsay. I'm honored to be here. I am so excited that you said yes, because I have obviously known you for a little while now. We've actually done some business together as well way back. And I just wanted to have you on because I've watched and known you for the last four or five years or so and I've just been very impressed with how much business you've done and how you've changed your business over the years. So we're gonna definitely get into that a little bit. It's funny when I usually start these, I talk about transaction numbers. And I was just asking Mara, okay, give me an idea about, you know, where your business started and where you're at. And she had no numbers to give me. So explain, Mara, why you
2: kind of haven't made it a huge priority to really focus in on what the numbers were. Okay, fair enough. I've been in the business, as she said, eight years. And when I started, it was a huge decision to leave my corporate America job that I had had all my life. And I had two boys that were going to college. So I wanted to be a realtor. And I actually hired a business coach and said, I want to be a realtor. And she's like, you need a plan B (laughs) besides getting your license. So I got my license and I started a virtual assistant business, and I was doing that, and I was starting to grow my real estate business by joining a team at Century Twenty One, and I was working side by side with um, a realtor there and learning the business, and. I was so engrossed in learning the business and getting to know customers and trying to connect with them to find out how I could make a sale, like whether it was purchasing or listing, that I really never looked at the sale. I actually never even really looked at my commission checks. I really just focused on the client. So at the end of my second year on a team, I was at the award ceremony and the gentleman behind me kicked my seat and said, hey, look, your name's (laughs) up on that screen. I'm like, what? And it it was like, I had sold $75,000 in business, closed business, and was on the Ruby level at Century 21 Northeast at the time. And I was just flabbergasted. And that was just made me like, yes, I can do this. It's working. And from there, I just start, I never lost focus. I still don't lose focus of that. You
1: know, a lot of people that we've talked to on this podcast, they focus on the numbers to grow their business. But what you've done is you focused on your clients to grow your business. And then what's come of that Is bonus and in you know in a way. So talk to me about how you over the years have put your time and energy into your clients and kind of what you do for them that gets you so many referrals from that group.
2: One thing I started in, and I guess I back up a little, is I started in rentals, and so um, a lot of that was very customer focused. As my um, clients would hire me to do rentals, and then I stayed in touch with the tenants. Um, That's one thing I want to tell all new agents is that don't shy away. You know, get rental certified but touching those tenants over and over again and providing exceptional service when they're renting their first place or second place or third place, that can grow to buyers in the future and then sellers. So that business has actually just consistently moved over the years as well. When I work with a client besides having the obvious, you know, first connections and sitting down in person or in Zoom nowadays, um, I really want to talk about what is really important to them. What does this house look like or what does this sale look like? I want to know about them more than I want to know about the house from the beginning. And from the start to the end it's always going to be about them and we're going to keep it in the moment and when the sale is over or the purchase is over we're friends like that's what I want we're not every transaction of course but we're friends and then you touch them and you continually touch them whether it's a shout out on social media whether it's hey show me your pictures What did you do to your house? And I have people tag me, like, Mara, look, I did my dining room. And and, you know, congratulating them on that, just even painting the room. I have invested in Reminder Media, which is a magazine that goes out quarterly to all my clients. I am constantly writing handwritten notes to this day. I'm a Brian Buffini believer in the handwritten note. Um, after every meeting with a buyer or seller, in goes that, that little card in the mailbox before I've done anything else. Um, everybody that buys a house with me this year and every year gets cupcakes delivered to their house. Um, I actually have some in the car right now. They're so cute, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love doing that. It's also a time to reconnect with the clients. Doing, I did a food drive, which again, I go to the houses and pick up the food. So again, another time to touch a client that wants to be involved in the community. Um, I do personal cards at Thanksgiving. I do personal cards at Christmas. I do a some sort of end of the year a little keep in touch gift with all my clients i do my newsletter that goes out monthly and i write, take the time to write it myself and highlight a client if i can or an experience and i just really always stay in touch i don't forget about people and i think that's because i get re- referrals from the people they keep coming back i very rarely do i look and see a house go back on the market that wasn't they didn't buy with me that has to be because I'm touching base with them. Yeah, and that's
1: such a kicker for agents if they see that happen. Yeah. So to not have that happen means that you really are investing so much time in those in those clients, and that's just a huge win for you. So you touched on social media. I wanna definitely talk about this. I feel like I ad nauseum talk about this <laughs> with agents, and they don't seem to truly get it. I mean, the majority don't seem to truly get it. So talk to me about your social media strategy and how it's helped your business grow.
2: I talked to my team about this ad nauseum too. But- <laughs> Do it. <laughs> it was the one thing I did from day one, and I still do it to this day. And I will say now I'm in a place, and I'm grateful to be in a place that I hire someone to do it for me, but I still am involved in it a little. But in the beginning and for the first six years, it was always me. And I would literally go on Pinterest on Sunday night and scroll and look at stuff and be like, oh, I like that living room. Oh, this house on a mountain looks cool. Oh, this dog bed looks adorable. And I would literally pick five posts a week that I would just create on a Sunday night. And I would use Hootsuite for free. And I would schedule them all. And then I would see what actually resonated. Because usually something was going to resonate. Usually it seemed to be dogs or cats. (laughs) Puppies, Puppies, babies, kitties. Here's this nice (laughs) little dog house. That was what really resonated with people and then I would play to that but it was always me and I was religious and it really took me 15 minutes. The other thing I did on Once social a week. week once a week. 15 minutes. 15 minutes Sunday night. It was on my calendar blocked out. And that, just like going to the gym, it was just something I did. I never thought about it, and I've never strayed from that. But the other thing I did, and I know Lindsay knows this, is I started eating ice. Well, I always ate ice cream. But I started posting <laughs> that I ate ice cream.
1: <laughs> I was going to say that didn't start. Yeah, That's been didn't a lifelong start, been obsession. A lifelong thing.
2: <laughs> but I started posting. I don't know, years, maybe five years ago, on social media on Friday nights that I was eating ice cream, and I never thought it would blow up to be. The thing it's blown up to be. You're like the ice cream loving realtor. It, well, people call <laughs> me. You're the so basically I became the known and I have had Direct referrals is, you're the realtor who sells a lot of houses and eats a lot of ice cream. (laughs) I only really eat a kitty, okay? As long as they remember you. They remember me. And it's doing the same thing over and over again. I usually go to the same place. It's usually Treadwells. Tom from Treadwells thinks I'm like Beyonce. Like when I walk (laughs) in, I'm like the Beyonce of Treadwells. Well, you've
1: probably helped his business grow, too. He's called me
2: on the phone driving by my signs. I mean, like, so you, you know, I can tag him. He can tag me. It's just been something I do that other people like tag me when they're eating ice cream or wherever. Right. Am I, if I'm not eating ice cream. Or I, they try a
1: new flavor and they're like, Oh Mara, you gotta try this or this new yeah. place. Or, or what are you eating? And yeah, yeah, yeah. I just
2: feel like you just do something and you just do it over and over again and And it's authentic to you.
1: Right, it's, um, truly, it's truly it's something truly something you enjoy. Yeah. I, whenever I do the social media trainings at our company, and we do them, um, you know, at some of our training events and things like that, I always tell people your business page should be sixty percent business, and then twenty percent should be community, and twenty percent should be personal. Yeah. It, it it doesn't necessarily have to be like a very personal post versus a very business post. You can kind of mix and match all of them together. But if you're not talking about who you are and your own personality on your page, like people aren't going to necessarily want to work with a robotic business realtor only, right? right they want to see that you like ice cream or that you like to cook or that you have dogs or yes. that you have kids or whatever these things are. That's what really is going to connect to be real. With people.
2: You have to be real. Right. They, they know you sell houses because they're seeing that, but you also have to have another part of you that they have to see. It doesn't have to be all the time, but you have to throw that in.
1: There's... All the realtors sell houses, right? Like we that's all sell what they all do. So, <laughs> what makes you guys different is your personality, and that's whether or not they want to work with someone is going to be based on whether or not they have similar likes and dislikes and things like that. So, you can't be everything to all people, but at the no. same time, you'll find your tribe. You and find your tribe. Yours, yours is an ice cream eating tribe, I'm sure. And then
2: you, you like, <laughs> I'm thinking I'm going to do a client appreciation in winter actually this year, and we're going to do ice cream Sundays, and we're going to have, you know, we're going to keep the theme going. Another thing that. I do on social media um, when I can is I try to tell a story about the purchase or the sale not just I sold it like who are these people you know I don't always name names I don't always tag people but this is what their story is because not all sales are happy there's some other times life events or moving on and um, but I try to tell a story that's kind and compassionate but also successful so that they can see resonate like oh I'm going through a divorce or I just lost a family member oh but Mara was able to guide them through that you know and actually the end result was what they wanted
1: and What happens is someone is scrolling through their newsfeed and they see that story about how you got them to that end goal. And you're like the Mr. Miyagi at that point, right? Like I'm in that same situation, and Mara's the one that's going to get me there. Because it connects. Exactly. And if you just say, oh, look at this house I sold to my, my buyers. Congratulations. There's no story. There's no connection there. There's no way for them to get to know what actually happened behind the scenes of that transaction. I think that that's so important. So you obviously do social media well, my friend. So keep it up.
0: Let's take a quick break and hear from the number one loan originator, Sean Benozian of Guaranteed Rate, as he gives us his monthly mortgage tip. Hey, realtors, it's Sean Guaranteed Rate with another quick business tip. It's super, super important that you surround yourself with the best team. What I mean by that is you're the quarterback of the transaction, so you've got to put your clients in position and work with the best lender, best attorney, best home inspector. Ultimately, that's all going to be a reflection of you. It's going to help you grow your business if your clients have a really amazing client experience and have a super smooth transaction. It will lead to more referrals. more business in the future and more confidence for you so that you can go out and be an amazing realtor not have to worry about babysitting a home inspector, a lender, an attorney, or other vendors that are involved in the transaction. Thanks, Jant. Now let's get back to the show.
1: Um, as far as your team. So take me back. I know over the last few years that I've known you, you were working on your own and then you were starting to think about growing a team. You kind of were dabbling for a little bit and now you have a robust team that's doing really well. So tell me about that transition and how that worked out for you. Painful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. Um, tell them the honest truth. It is a painful process.
2: <laughs> um, you're blessed when you get to the point in real estate where you like have too much business and that you realize that I, uh, I'm a heavy listing agent and that. People were deferring me buyers and I was not able to keep up with the buyers. And I felt I was doing a disservice um, when I just constantly couldn't get there. So I came to the point that I needed a team probably three years ago. I didn't know how to grow a team. I really didn't have any direction. I didn't know where to go. So I kind of just did it myself. And I hired a person and she was amazing, but it just, I just didn't know how to do it. Um, I didn't have the guidance. I didn't have the direction, no fault of anybody. Just didn't know where to go. So then, so COVID hit in 2020 moved over to Kella Williams and I will say that they had um, team contracts which would, I never had seen one of those so now I had a team contract so I knew how to like structure how to pay somebody which I didn't even know I was blindly making decisions right or wrong and I actually reached out to the team leader and said do you have anybody that you think would be a good fit and he did so he started I started interviewing some people and um, I brought on my first team member last July and my second team member last September. And, you know, I had to create core values. I had to create team environment. And that's, I actually like to work by myself. Yeah. You 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 get
1: used to being an independent agent. And then all of a sudden now you've got these people that are like looking to you for guidance. It's stressful.
2: It's stressful. And where do they go to get the training? Am I supposed to give the training? Um, You know, my core values, which I spent a lot of time thinking about and I really feel my group embodies them now is accountability, integrity, impeccability, and exceptional customer service. And that's how I've always stood by. And it, you have to get people that believe in that and who will buy into that wholeheartedly because it's a fle- everything they do is reflection of me. Is it painful? Yes, because I've given over great leads and sometimes they don't like working with that person and they walk away and I'm like, oh, but it's part of the growing process and it's part of me getting feedback to figure out what I need to do to tweak.
1: And it makes them better too. So it's like all a part of the process of you getting them stronger and better at what they do. So
2: yeah, so that's definitely been. So then um, I actually let one team member go after a year and I brought two more on this year. I have a young, uh, team member who's 23, which is great. I really wanted a younger person to do the TikTok and the things that I'm like, yeah. oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, and, and I have a Nate, my neighbor is on my team, uh, Chris Carnevale. He, he's he got two kids. And then I have Anne Gray on my team, who's been with me for over a year. And um, we we are all dynamic, but we're all together. I don't highlight a salesperson of the year. We're doing everything together. We are growing together. We are strong together. And we're all on board and in it together. And I think that, that I feel good about us and I feel good about the team. And you have some numbers for the last
1: couple of years now. (laughs) Now that you have a team, maybe you have to start tracking the numbers a little closer. But so last year in 2020, with your team starting in July, you had 55 sides, 24 million in sold business. And then you had 60 sides this year so far. And we're recording this mid-November. So the year is still, we still got time. So 60 sides and 31 million. So you've definitely seen growth having a team. Absolutely. Um, So I think it, it seems like it's going well for you, which is I great. I really am
2: happy. I'm happy I've done it. It, it alleviates like um, me feeling that I could be potentially letting a customer down um, and being able to just tell them that we're all here together. You're you're get benefiting from me having a team. We're all on board. And this is about, you know, I even like tell them like, you know, we all meet every week. We all talk to each other all week long. So you, you've got me with you, but you know, they're great realtors and they're in good hands. Absolutely. It makes you stronger mm-hmm.
1: having those people to help and be behind you and it makes them stronger in their business. So that's fantastic. Well, I'm glad it's worked out. Like I said, I know you were looking for some help before and then you were kind of struggling with it, but now it seems like this is...
2: Yeah, it took me a while. Working well <laughs> for you. <laughs> I and think a lot of team le- re- realtors who grow teams have all of those growing pains. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. It's a difficult thing to transition into. You got to think now as you know, the leader and you've got to have money aspects in your yeah. brain, it's not just about you anymore. Right. So it's definitely more of a difficult thing to do. So tell me what advice you have for an agent who maybe is at that point where they're like, I think a team is the next step for me. What advice would you give them? Where would they, where should they go first? What should they do?
2: I think you join brokerage that has a teams. First of all, not all brokerages have um, successful teams um, because I think, for me, I joined Century 21 Northeast, and I got on a team immediately. That was invaluable to me. I will always tell a new agent to get on a team if they can. I was able to sit in on probably 24 or more deals. You know, I learned what better betterments were in 60s things I would not have a clue just because I was on a team, um, and I was able to sit in on listing presentations and buyer presentations and really get a feel for what it's like to do a deal. Uh, not just sit in a class, just be right by somebody's side and learning that experience. You're probably going to get leads on a team and given opportunities on a team that may take you a long time to self-generate, and you're going to learn how to self-generate on a team. So get on a team that has values that you believe in, has a strategy that you believe in, because that's what's really important is that you'll stay on the team if you believe in the team leader and the team values, Um, and you join a brokerage that has successful teams you know, not, again, I can't stress, I've looked at other brokerages, you know, and they don't have teams or they have one team. <laughs>
1: yep. So tell me a little bit about, um, what advice you would give to just an agent, maybe that's starting out even, um, because, you know, you've been in the business for eight years now, so you're separated from that time, but you know, what would be the number one thing you would say, focus on?
2: Find your niche. And, um, my niche, that I don't, t- haven't talked about here, but is what I started out probably year three was getting my senior designation um, in real estate. And so I got my SRES designation. And I actually now advertise in the Salem News about downsizing and I get leads from that. But that being said, I went physically to every assisted living and nursing home in the area. The first year I got that designation, I sat down with every sales and marketing department. And I introduced myself and I told them what I believed in and I wanted to help seniors. I then started on my own the National Association of Senior Advocacy on the North Shore and I recruited other like-minded individuals um, who wanted to work with seniors, estate planners, um, financial advisors, even contractors, a local contractor who was um, aging in place. And then we started going to the local community at the senior center levels and before COVID hit and talking about and from my perspective, from real estate, do not sell your house to We Buy Ugly Houses unless it's a res- last resort. Do not sell your house to Johnny next door or family member unless you know the value of your house. Once you know the value of your house, you can sell it to anybody you want. But um, most of the times, listing your home will get you the most money and putting it on the market. That was my niche. That's something I pigeonholed probably three years into the business and have stayed strong with that. And that still refers me a lot of business every year. Um I didn't shy away from rentals. Um, My first deal ever was a rental, and that person has single-handedly bought 19 properties with me to date. I manage all of her rentals still. She has referred me more business than anything, and I was literally... You know, didn't got rental certified and didn't even know what I was doing at that point. But able to grow that spear. What else did I do? I ran company. You know, if your if your company offers company leads, they you do take a hit. But I ran a lot of them, um, and I some money is better than no money. Um, so another opportunity that I didn't pass up on, and I marketed to that business. So maybe the commission check wasn't huge, but at the end of the day, I established a relationship, and I worked that relationship, and when it comes back the second time, you don't owe anybody any money. Exactly. It's What
1: we call in our company are at-bats. You're getting an at-bat. You're getting a chance to take a swing. And learn. And learn, and yeah, for sure. So any chance you have at
2: any kind of leads, take them, and then yeah, they'll pay dividends in the end. Right, absolutely. So That's the same with rentals. You don't make a lot of money on that rental. But again, that can pay dividends. For an example, I went to a rental listing that I had and... The neighbor came over and said, can we rent this and you sell our condo? It was one day. I went over, I checked out her, her apartment, it was squeaky clean. She moved her over there, sold her a condo, then sold her a house. Her brother then listed me, bing, bing, bang bang bing, There it goes. Yep. So you don't know what one transaction, how it will, you know, spiral
1: out. Yeah. A lot of the times I think agents will look and say, oh, well, that house is this much. And they might prejudge, but you don't have a clue of what's coming after that. You so don't know. You, you don't, never don't know. know who knows who. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Mara, is there... Anything else that you would want our audience to know? Any last closing thoughts? This has been absolutely wonderful and I think that everyone's going to learn a lot from what you've provided today. But is there any anything else that you want them to know about you or about advice or anything like that? Focus on your client. Focus on your client. The rest comes. Well, that might be the title of the podcast today. (laughs) Mara, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. And um, thank you. (laughs) Absolutely. Thanks, everybody, for
0: listening. Thanks for joining us on the Agents Who Crush It in Real Estate podcast. We hope you've learned some valuable takeaways. Be sure to take action and grow your business. You can check out the episode notes and more content from the show at crushitinre.com slash podcast. And if you like this episode and you'd like to hear more stories, please share with others. Post on social media or leave a rating or review. To catch all the latest from Anthony, you can follow him on Instagram at Crush It In Real Estate on Facebook and YouTube. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.